Thank you, Tammy, for reading. And welcome all of you to another part of the church in a different outfit. Here is today's reflection on our scripture reading. We're going to call it, They Don't Cancel Each Other Out. So a couple of weeks ago, I flew to Minneapolis to officiate a wedding, and I want to tell you what happened in the TSA line on the way home. But let's tackle our scripture first, because as you might have noticed, it's a bit of a doozy. So let's start with the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is one of the most mysterious books in the Old Testament. It is like no other text in our canon. And if you're familiar with the musical Hamilton, which is early colonial history told through hip hop, Job is kind of like that. It's a sustained debate on deep points of theology and philosophy, but in the form of poetry. It's written in its final form about 2,500 years ago, which in itself is pretty mind-blowing, but actually the sections at the beginning and end are even older by like several centuries. And this is because the book of Job is what is called a frame story. It's a story within a story. So to write it, the poet took an existing folktale that everyone those days knew about a person, Job, who's tested through a wager between God and the devil, loses everything, and then at the end has their fortune splendidly restored. So they took that folktale and inserted 39 chapters of poetic debate between Job and his friends about why these things are happening to him and where is God in the midst of all of that. So as literature alone, this work is worth preserving for 25 centuries. Rarely has human anguish been given more powerful expression than in these words. But the other crazy thing about Job is that it is a radical challenge to like almost everything else in our Bibles on the subject of suffering. The book of Job comes right after the book of Proverbs, and they are as different as night and day. Proverbs is a book of exactly that, Proverbs, short sayings of common wisdom, like listen to your mother, think before you act, pride goes before a fall. And most of them are written in pairs, like those who work their own field will reap a harvest, those who fantasize about others' fields end up with nothing, those who walk with integrity walk securely, those who cheat will be found out. And it's all based on the idea, which actually, this is also a Bible verse, although from a different book, the idea that we reap what we sow. That idea has enduring power, both uh, here and there in our Bibles and in our lives, because it is often true, right? There are natural consequences, both good and bad, to all of our actions. And this is good news because it means in many parts of our lives, our fate is in our own hands. But there seems to be a whole other, much bigger realm of life over which we have no control. Enter Job. It is a radical challenge to the doctrine in our Bibles and in our world of rewards for the righteous and punishments for the wicked. The passage that we just heard, um, it's a satirical spin off of Psalm 139, which is one of the most beloved and beautiful in the Psalter. You might recognize it after the 23rd Psalm, it's probably the best known. It's the one that has that line, you knit me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, if you've heard that. Well, the part right before those verses sounds like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. 
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. Beautiful. And then there's Job. Oh, that I might know where I could find you, oh God, that I might come even to your dwelling, but I go to the east and you're not there. I go to the west and do not find you. North, I do not see you. South, I catch no glimpse of you. If only I could vanish into the darkness and yet still the darkness does not destroy me. Wow. Well, this at least is honest. We worship Emmanuel, God with us, but it definitely does not always feel that way. So in the TSA line, I had to step aside and wait for my bag to get special screening. And there was someone ahead of me waiting for their black backpack. He was Asian, maybe late 40s, early 50s, traveling alone. And at first I thought he was having some kind of medical emergency. He was shaking, like violently shaking trouble breathing, um, kind of making these like wheezing noises. So I instinctively stepped forward to see if he was okay. And that's when I saw the paper in his hand. It was a death certificate. He wasn't ill. It was grief. He was trying to show the TSA worker the certificate, um, but but he could hardly stand up and he had to lean forward and like brace his arms on the table to hold himself up. And so I stood there and I watched uh, as the TSA worker unzipped his backpack and pulled out a beautifully ornate urn all wrapped up so carefully in this purple shawl. And it, it took kind of a while for her to unwrap it and test it and all that. So I asked him who it was and he told me it was his sister. I saw the cause of death on the certificate, metastatic breast cancer. I know several of you are survivors of that. And he told me she'd been an oncology doctor of all things at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. And he was taking her remains back to Korea where they had a place for her. And he told me he hadn't been able to get there in time to see her before she died. They got the urn wrapped back up and in his backpack and he put it on and he shook my hand, just one shake, and then he left. And I don't know anything else about his story. I don't know what else has happened to him. I don't know if that was the hardest day of his life, but it sure looked hard. That day will come for each of us, the hardest day of our life. Yours might have already happened, might still be ahead of you. You might be in it right now. And when that day comes, it might feel like God is nowhere to be found. Like life has vanished into darkness and we are completely completely alone, utterly empty, without faith, without hope, without love. And it might not. Sometimes the hardest days are also days of the most surpassing beauty, the most overwhelming gratitude, the deepest, fiercest love. Most often, I think it's a bit of both. Beauty and pain, gratitude and regret, suffering and strength, grief 
and love. If we are awake, being alive will break our hearts a million times over. We all go through things that are so painful and more common and, and worse, I think. We have to watch people that we love go through pain and we aren't able to protect them. And most of the time it is totally unfair with no greater purpose, no larger plan, no deeper meaning, no silver lining. That's life. Beauty is part of life too, of course. Often they're intertwined. Sometimes they're even inseparable. But the good news always is that they do not cancel each other out. After 37 chapters of debate between Job and his friends, God speaks from the whirlwind. And God's words are no answer for those of us who believe that life should be anything but arbitrary. They are instead a thundering affirmation of mystery, a humbling reminder of our human limits. And they paint this picture of a vast creation shot through with like unfathomable paradox, a creator God who is there from beginning to end, whether it feels that way to us or not. And even in the sufferer's longing for absolute darkness, the morning stars sing together. Now there is a reason this book is in our Bibles and a reason it has stood the test of time. And that is because it is true. It is a true human experience. Just like Job's friends, we are all so easily seduced by promises of like easy answers, fake positives, false security, the illusion of control. So may these words be our protection against those things. And on your hardest days, may Job remind you of your right to feel what you feel, to hurt, to rage, to demand non-existent answers, to hate it, to stop believing, to give up. You don't have to keep the faith all the time, my friends. My goodness, no one can. This is why we aren't Christians on our own. This is the beauty of community. We get to take turns. So you don't need to believe today. Let someone else carry the torch for a while. It'll come around to you again in time. So friends, for the days when we see life's beauty and feel God's presence, we give thanks for those gifts. For days when we don't feel it at all, we give thanks for a faith that is bigger than our feelings about it. Thanks for the people who can help carry the torch for us, for a God who never leaves us, for morning stars that shine in the darkest night sky, for beauty and for pain, and for the life-saving truth that neither one can cancel the other out. Amen. Let us think about all of these things as we sing our hymn of the day, do not be afraid, I am with.